Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today I'll be sharing some insights and practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga, a philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in our world today. Yoga is a familiar word to so many today, but not everyone's aware of its philosophical meaning as oneness, union, or unity, which refers to bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously abide in our essential spiritual nature. Think of it as being restored to our original wholeness, knowing the truth of what we are, and then, of course, uh, yoga is living in harmony with that truth. And today we're going to look at you know how um, we can bring our essential nature uh, into our into the workplace more into our home lives uh, with regard to our ability to be mindful leaders, mindful leadership, calm, clear, centered, and guided from within. So whether you lead a business, a nonprofit, a class, or family, the principles and practices of meditation and self awareness are helpful for us to be able to pause, to focus. And to do what is most important to do in the moment. You know, just thinking about that sounds like a breath of fresh air, doesn't it? And today we're joined by Janice Marcherano, who's um, going to be sharing with us from her new book, Finding the Space to Lead, um, some really important ways that we can bring that consciousness into our leadership. She is the founder and executive director of the Institute for Mindful Leadership, a nonprofit organization dedicated to training and supporting leaders and potential leaders uh, with mindfulness practices to enhance the good work that they do. Welcome, Janice. I'm so delighted to meet you and have you join us today for the Yoga Hour. Thank you, Ellen. I'm delighted to be here. And before we begin our conversation, let's have a mindful moment, just centering ourselves, um, stretching out. One of the best tools that we have for becoming aware in any moment is our breath. Always with us. We just tune into it. So let's do that now. Becoming aware of breathing in and breathing out. And as we breathe in, 
Let's just feel that we're diving within into the infinite ocean of divine consciousness that is within us. And as we breathe out, letting go of all stress, restless thoughts, just opening and opening to this moment. Feel the air as it comes in your nostrils and as it flows out again. Cool air coming in, warm air flowing out. It only takes a moment like this to shift our awareness from the periphery into the center of our being. When we do that, we can notice thoughts and feelings arise and pass away. They shift and change. But within us is the center of peace, the center of power, the center of clarity. And as we pause... For this moment of peace, let us inwardly affirm now that as that peace is within us, we will take it with us into all of our conversations, our work, our interactions with others today. The great um, teacher of Kriya Yoga, Lahiri Mahashaya, said, Meditation practice establishes inner balance, restores harmony to the nervous system, clarifies the mind, increases willpower, and inspires constructive emotions. Now, our sages uh, have long known this, and in many traditions we hear about how peace is a part of our essential nature and we can access it. And of course now research is verifying that for us, that meditation and the related practice of mindful living are practical ways that we can improve our ability to be clear and calm so that we can dis- make wise decisions and act appropriately rather than reactively. And these are skills that um, we all want and need to have to live and lead effectively. And there's certainly skills that we, we hope that the others that we're working with have as well. And Janice, you've been very successful in bringing traditional practices of mindfulness, meditation, and self-awareness into the business world and um, showing people how they can enhance the capacity for effective leadership. So we can start with just um, talking a bit about what a leader is um, and you know whether or not we all should consider ourselves leaders. Okay, so if you think about what a leader is, a leader is someone with influence. And each of us, for better or worse, influences. We influence the people around us in our families. We influence our community groups. We certainly influence if we're in a position where we lead a team or a practice or a firm or a global organization. So with that definition, which is the one that we use with our mindful leadership training at the Institute, that definition would say everyone is a leader. The question is, can we cultivate our mind and heart in a way that allows us to lead with excellence? Yeah, I was thinking about the wonderful quote that you have in your book by Jane Goodall that says, what you do makes a difference, and you have to decide what kind of difference you want to make. Yes, isn't that delightful? I love the quote. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. And of course, coming from her, um, it totally resonates um, because it's so in keeping with how inspiring she is as a person and as a leader. Um, so how does mindfulness connect to 
leadership then? You know, how do you, how do you define what a mindful leader is? Right. So a mindful leader embodies leadership presence by cultivating what I call the, are the four fundamentals of leadership excellence, and they are focus, clarity, creativity, and compassion. So as we train in mindful leadership, we're specifically centering our attention on those four fundamentals. We train our mind in ways that help us to be more focused. We can pay attention when we need to, to be more clear in our decision-making, and that requires us to become very familiar with our own filters, our own conditioning, and so by going into our practices, we start to see those filters and our conditioning, and it helps us to see things with more clarity. Creativity. We need to have spaciousness in the mind for creativity and innovation. And so our practice can allow us to cultivate that spaciousness that allows for creativity. And last but certainly not least is compassion. Our practices of mindful leadership begin to show us where we can embody compassion more fully toward ourselves, toward others, and to our larger community. Mm -hmm. So when we look at all four of those fundamentals of leadership excellence, they are at the heart of the curriculum of mindful leadership, and they're at the heart of the book, Finding the Space to Lead. Mm. And I really appreciated in your book, of course, your personal story, um, because I think um, that so many can relate to it today, you know, being in... um, you know, a rewarding, um, a successful career, but along with that, the kind of pressures and overscheduling, you know, that people are experiencing today. And it seems, of course, that our technology is, <laughs> is only adding to that, you know, that we can do more, be more, um, produce more. And um, so could you tell us a little bit about your story and, you know, how it is that you came um, uh, to this work? Because, you know, your, your long life in, in corporate leadership um, is a really important connection to this. Right. So I was honing my skills as a 21st century juggler, which is uh, what I would suspect most of your listeners uh, can relate to. And by that, I mean, I had many, many balls in the air. I was a vice president at General Mills, and I was uh, a mother of school-aged children, a spouse, and the daughter of two aging parents, and a community volunteer. Mm, Yeah, you've just told everybody's story. I'm sorry. Absolutely, (laughs) right? So we're all these 21st century jugglers, and sometimes we think, well, if I just juggle faster... It will mm-hmm. it will get better. Someday I'll catch up if I just keep going and going faster and faster. But the problem with that is, is it just keeps demanding faster and faster. And so for me, one, ta- one day, in addition to my normal juggling act, I was asked to lead a very large project and what would turn out to be um, a 12-hour-a-day, 18-month, 7-day-a-week kind of very high-risk project in that if I wasn't able to be uh, successful with my team in this project, thousands of people would lose their jobs. And so there was a lot riding on it, and so, of course, we could not afford to take our foot off the pedal in getting this project done. But at the end of the 18 months, I had been so depleted physically and mentally that uh, my expectation that I would bounce back, that now that that ball at least was off, that I'd go back to my normal crazy juggling and I'd bounce back. But in some very significant ways, I did not. So I was going through the motions again, and I was kind of doing things I was expected to do, but I was very keenly aware that something was missing, something had been depleted and lost, and a piece of me was missing. Mm-hmm. And it was at some point, oh, a few months after that, when a good friend suggested that I needed to um, perhaps would benefit by going away, going to a spa for a while, or going someplace where I could just 
eat good foods and sleep and and rest. But I didn't want to leave my family again. It was hard enough when I was working those long hours. And eventually, though, this person was insistent and sent me a link to uh, one of the top-rated spas. And I opened the link because I just to see it. And I noticed alongside uh, their homepage on the side was a special program called The Power of Mindfulness for Executives and Innovators. And it was called an intensive retreat. At some point, after speaking with my family, I decided I would go to this training and it was actually would turn out to be a mindfulness training taught by John Kabat-Zinn. Mm-hmm. And it was a six-day training and it was one of the ten most difficult things I've ever done in my life oh. because at that moment I was so used to running 150 miles an hour that to mm-hmm. actually stop felt mm-hmm. like hitting a brick wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that was my introduction to mindfulness. Yeah. And, you know, as you um, talk about that, um, you know, I, I think about how important it is, um, you know, whether you're doing a specific focus on mindful leadership or not, um, certainly just to keep uh, our balance in the um, high-stress uh, lives we lead, you know, retreat is um, really recommended, and I would go so far to say as it's essential. You know, we have one um, fellow who comes on retreat, and he and he calls it his reboot. <laughs> that, you know, it's just an opportunity to, um, you know, really get back in touch with yourself in a deep way and to, and to rest in ways that, you know, can be difficult to do. Um, on a daily basis, even even with a daily practice, you know, which of course we both recommend, um, just to um, you know stay sane and healthy and balanced. But then there's something else that can come by um, taking retreats at least once a year. But you know, I I think quarterly is is an ideal situation. Um, meditation retreat. Um, to remove stress and just to get back in touch with yourself um, more deeply, and you know what really, what really matters. You know what makes a difference. That's right, and I think I totally agree with you. It's absolutely an essential part of well-being these days to be able to find uh, some place where you can disconnect from all this technology for a little while. And it's not that technology is bad or good. It's just that it adds a complexity and a sense that we are never able to turn off. Mm-hmm. We're always on high alert, waiting for that next ping on our phone mm-hmm. or our computer. Mm-hmm. And so being able to just turn it off. And in fact, I like to encourage people to try it for an hour and notice how much the mind and the body reacts to just being unplugged for one hour mm-hmm. as if the world will not continue on if you're <laughs> connected for that hour. Exactly. And it, can be a very, and it can be really an interesting uh, experiment to try just for an it, hour to learn and something. It's, it's interesting how we're, um, we're a little resistant to do that and... Um, and yet, you know, now we're being supported with some new research that says, you know what, you're, you're actually not being more effective when you have all those um, bells going off and, you know, email signals coming in. You know, every time you allow your uh, attention to uh, move to something new, you have to recalibrate to come back to focus on what you're doing. So thankfully, research is showing that it, we actually are not as effective as we think we are in that mode no, anyway. No, that's absolutely right. And in fact, the, one of the studies that um, organizations find very compelling was reported in the Wall Street Journal probably uh, 18 months ago or so that actually quantified it and said this multitasking that we all think is so great and makes us efficient actually loses 30% of our productivity from multitasking. And uh-huh. so this myth of multitasking has really been harmful to us in many ways, not only in our productivity, but also 
in the toll it takes on our mind's ability to sustain attention, that focus capacity is diminished because mm-hmm. we spend most of our days flitting around and we need to mm-hmm. train our minds to focus again. Exactly. And we're more on the surface than in the depths. And when we come back from the um, break, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about how meditation can be so supportive of being able to go deeper and pull our attention and awareness uh, away from just being on the surface of things. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest Janice Marcherano. She's the author of a new book called Finding the Space to Lead, a Practical Guide to Mindful Leadership. And you can find out more about her work at her website, instituteformindfulleadership.org. We'll be right back with you. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listener support to broadcast the messages of unity to an awakening world. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Did you know that the Buddha gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that Jesus gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that both these masters taught exactly the same thing? And guess what? They did not teach the law of attraction. They taught the great paradox of prosperity. You can have anything you want. Why, you can have things you don't even know you want, but not by wanting them. Instead, put your attention on the vibrant presence of the divine within. Do that and your life will change. It has to. That is the natural order. Want to crack the code on the great paradox? Get Janet Connors' The Lotus and the Lily. Available everywhere great books are sold. Oprah Winfrey says that Eric Butterworth's book, Discover the Power Within You, changed her perspective on life and religion. Maya Angelou quotes Emily Cady's Lessons in Truth as she recalls her own spiritual awakening. What do these books have in common? They share Unity's classic teachings. Join Reverend Laura Beth Gilbreth, Minister of Unity Transformation, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings. Follow along and contribute your thoughts, questions, and ideas as we examine these foundational teachings through the works of Unity authors past and present. Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Janice Marcherano. She's the author of Finding the Space to Lead. And we're going to be taking a look at meditation practices um, in this segment. But before we, we go there, and I, and I think it's connected to this question, um, Janice, in the first segment you were, you were talking about your experience of being a 21st century juggle, a juggler. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that is certainly an experience that no matter what people do or where they work, um, for the most part, people can relate to that. And so, you know, what is it that you see that makes it possible for us as leaders to get off that treadmill of doing more and more and sometimes, you know, as a result, enjoying life less and less? I, You know, one of the things that I've discovered at our center and that we find with our leaders is that... Um, 
you know, we'll, we'll launch a new program and it'll go really well. And that's really exciting. But one of the things that goes along with that is just raising the bar that not only will, will we do that again, but we'll do something else that will be more and better. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, so right. you know, how do you see it becoming possible, you know, to get off that treadmill of doing more and more and doing better and better? One of the most important reflections uh, for us to engage in is to stop Looking at stop and look at our calendars with an understanding from our reflection of what is important versus what screams the loudest or what calls us to react to it. So it's important for us to take some time for reflection to really touch again that inner wisdom that tells us what is important, what is it, what is my work to do here. What are the parameters of my life that feel resonant with my strengths, with my passions, with the ways in which I would like to inspire versus reacting to all the meetings and all the calls and all the polls and all the ways in which we can become pulled away from that center, pulled away from that purpose? Mm-hmm. Yes, and you've got that wonderful chapter in your book on, you know, helping. It has that exercise, the calendar exercise in it of, you know, just looking at your list and seeing how these things, um, just sort of doing a body scan, you know, as it um, relates to the list. You know, what are you noticing about, you know, what you've what you have put on your list um, for the day and mm-hmm. um, ha- how, how does that affect your energy level. But I love the, um, the title being urgent versus important mm-hmm. um, because, you know, that's something that we face all the time uh, in our lives and in our leadership roles and that we get, can get so, you know, tied up in the urgent, urgent, urgent. And I think, you know, especially in the, in the U.S. as we've had, you know, economic, um, pinch for such mm-hmm. a long stretch. Um, it has created a lot of urgency or sometimes even false urgency, um, that has taken time away from the important things that might even be more helpful in making a turnaround than um, tending to the urgent. Because, you know, like what gets lost, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but when we're at the urgent level all the time, then we're we're not able to deal with the things that really build a foundation and build the culture that we're working in, you know, that help to um, train and grow new leaders, for example. That's true, and an example of that is when we attend to what is urgent all the time, what we have a greater tendency to do is simply check the box. So we're not, we just want something off our desk. We need something off that to-do list. So we'll go for just, oh, just do something, just check the box, just let's move this thing to the next step when, in fact, it might be much more skillful response in that moment if we're asking ourselves what's really called for now to hold some ambiguity around it, to actually question whether, well, we've always done it this way, but is that the best way to do it? Or can we take advantage of this change in our economic condition, this shrinking of the world marketplace, and find some better creativity and some better innovation if we actually catch ourselves when we're about to do that reactivity, use our breath or our body sensations to kind of come back to being fully present when we feel that reactivity and allow for some spaciousness to see creativity arise or innovation Mm -hmm. arise and learn something to write a new playbook instead Mm -hmm. of using the old one. And that's really the kind of fresh air that, you know, leaders can bring. You know, I think that the whole team, you know, becomes demoralized, you know, when there's that sense of treadmill. You know, you just keep doing the same thing and getting the same results. But when there's a pause to say, you know, um, maybe there's 
something different we can do here. You know, we're, we're actually not victims <laughs> of what occurs uh, around us, although sometimes it can feel that way. But there's an amazing amount of power in being able to have fresh eyes in a situation and ask, you know, is, is, this, is this for us to do? But, you know, uh, what you're pointing out is that, you know, that actually begins with us as leaders asking ourselves those questions, you know, is, is this for me to do, you know, do I have to be at the effect of my calendar? Um, you know, how, how can I begin to um, express um, more spaciousness and more creativity in the way that I approach my day-to-day uh, life? Yes, and one of the other areas, Ellen, that this shows up in is when we look at the places on our calendar or the places in our to-do list where we can simply let go. So in that pause, when we call it a purposeful pause, and it's actually a little mini training of meditation that we encourage practitioners to engage in all during the day, these few moments where we bring ourselves off the treadmill, out of the autopilot, and we take a purposeful pause. And it's in those purposeful pauses as we're about to run off to yet the seventh meeting on the same topic and there's three other people from our organization in the room where we get to say, wait a minute, do I really need to be there? Has has that been put on my calendar without any conscious choice on my part if I have an ability to say, maybe there's a better way to do this. Maybe there's someone else on my team, which could end up being developmental for someone else. And by letting go and letting someone else take the lead, someone else uh, step into a particular role, we often open up that creativity and innovation again. So Mm -hmm. some other eyes, even if we've done it 10 times for 30 years, some other eyes uh, have a new way of looking at it, something fresh to bring into the party. And that's helpful to me as a senior leader and to that person who now has an opportunity to lead and bring something fresh to something. And Yeah, so there's that exercise of letting go a little bit and or or maybe a lot and mm-hmm. you know not holding it as if um you know we have to do everything i find that you know part of that comes out of being in the crisis mode you know i i see that leaders get in a space where and they often say to me well it's it's easier um and quicker to do it myself than to train somebody else to do it because they literally, you know, just don't feel that they have the time to train somebody else. But that's the treadmill, isn't it? It is. And it also, there's sometimes when we look very honestly at those moments with ourselves, sometimes there's a bit of ego tied into that. We want to make sure we're essential, that we're needed, Mm -hmm. that we're necessary. (laughs) And there's a piece of that that can come into it. I once had a, a student of mine who was, who was a uh, vice president in an organization, and she um, was well taught for, for years um, in mindful leadership, well uh, practiced in it. And one of the uh, practices that she used was taking that personal pause and asking herself the question, what's called for now? So she'd be sitting in this meeting with her whole team and everybody would be talking about the recent problem they had. And she saw in herself as the the thoughts are coming into her mind, oh, yeah, we did that five years ago and this is what we did to solve it. And and these thoughts are coming up. But she caught herself before she started speaking with that question, what's called for now? And she started to make that a regular practice in those kinds of meetings and in dialogues. And she reported back into our uh, retreat one year that she'd been doing that for a year. And what happened in response to that question of what's called for now, what arose most of the time was be quiet. Mm -hmm. And when she (laughs) followed that advice, she started to see her team grow and develop and new ideas and all kinds of energy arose in the group because they felt more empowered and uh, more uh, creative. Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful. That's a wonderful story of, 
you know, growing leadership uh, in our midst because it is tempting if you if you're somebody who's been around for a while to say, oh well, we've already done that and here's how we did it, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and you know to just and there's such a squashing of of energy and creativity um, when when that goes on. Um, let's turn our attention for a minute now to talk about meditation and why it's the cornerstone of all of this and um, how do you see it meditation itself making a difference the role of being a leader in 2014 has become exponentially more complex than it was when I began my career 25 plus years ago and as Things have changed so quickly in terms of the speed with which decisions need to be made, the changing environment in which we're asked to make those decisions, and the real global crises that are facing all of us, and there are many, many of them. We no longer can afford to not bring all of our capabilities to the moments in our lives where we influence what happens next, which is almost every moment of our life. And so for this meditation, mindfulness meditation and mindful leadership training, to me, is not a nice to have anymore. It simply isn't a reasonable expectation to ask people to meet those kinds of craziness, that kind of speed and that kind of importance to the decisions that are being made without being able to tap into more of the mind's capabilities like our ability to see clearly and to be Mm. focused, creative, and compassionate. So what ultimately this training does for the development of leadership is it creates our ability to more consistently find what I call the win-win-win, good for an organization, good for the employees, and good for the community. And we need more and more and more of those win-win-wins for us to begin to develop the kind of society we're capa- we're capable of developing. Mm. Uh, uh, so so well said, and of course I agree with you a hundred percent. And um, you know I have a friend who is a business consultant, and um, you know his his top card is sustainability, and um, mm-hmm. you know sharing about that with companies and training people in sustainable practices and so on and so forth, and. Um, you know, he doesn't necessarily find it that easy to bring this conversation into the corporate culture. You know, on one hand, I think we see lots of progress. But here, you know, we're in Silicon Valley, and so there are some leading-edge kinds of things that go on here. And so I'm just wondering, you know, how how is it for you to go into corporate culture in America and, um, you know, begin to share these kinds of practices that, um, you know, in a sense have a spiritual tone to them. So how are you finding people's, uh, the corporate culture, let me say, their receptivity to this? Well, and I'm not really bringing it in as a spiritual practice. So when I'm bringing in compassion, I'm using compassion as uh, understanding, deep understanding with, uh, as soon as you have that deep understanding about yourself, others, the community, leaders who are trained to lead, to make these decisions, the very best ones really want to find those win-win-wins, which do involve compassion. And so what we're really inviting people to do is cultivate their more of their capabilities, and in so doing, become more of themselves rather than asking them to be someone else or to change the environment around them. I have a great deal of faith and optimism that the best leaders are people with bright minds and warm hearts. And if we give them the training or the access to learning how to train the mind in the same way we train the body. And of course, training the mind is also about training the heart in some ways, or opening the heart, maybe not training, but opening the heart, Um, that they'll know how to find those win-win-wins. And in fact, they want to find those win-win-wins. So that comes partially from my personal experiences in the workplace for so long, where I saw it happen 
Mm-hmm. It, but it was very, very hard for it to happen when people are so pushed that they're running on autopilot and they don't know how to take those pauses mm-hmm. to ask those questions. Yeah, and so, you know, when we look at the um, the basic nature of human beings, you know, I think we find that, that goodness... Um, you know, at the mm-hmm. heart of every person and that this kind of work can call upon, upon that. And I'm, but I'm sort of specifically curious about how it's going with bringing meditation into the corporate culture because sometimes, you know, there are roadblocks that come up to um, meditation due to people's um, belief systems about that. And so are you finding, you know, bringing it in as mindfulness um, gives you an avenue? Um, how, how is that working? Right. So um, there, when I bring it into an organization as training the mind to develop fundamentals of leadership excellence, I meet very little resistance to that because I'm able to show how these fundamentals, what uh, the fundamentals come from leadership development, not from mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And yet the, the intersection of the two threads in my own life, which are the development of leadership I've I've long been engaged in developing leadership in individuals for decades and now for more than eight years of developing mindful leadership curricula. So it was the intersection of the two mm-hmm. that uh, makes it feel um, and be experienced as a training that I simply need to have if I want to lead and live with excellence. Mm. And uh, so that has made it much more. And you can tell from the book, from Finding the Space to Lead, um, certainly compassion, kindness are there, emotional, the role of emotions and emotional intelligence is there. But so is how do you lead with inspiration and how do you manage that calendar so that you're attending to important. So it is a, it's a universal training and the tenets of it are found both in leadership development and in, and in virtually every theology, religion, uh, belief system has some element of contemplative training. Yeah, so, since, yeah, so I can see how, um, this is beautiful the way you've put it together and leading, um, with leadership, um, development as mindfulness being a part of that, how that would really work. Um, we're going to take just a brief pause now and we'll be back for a little more about realizing our full, um, capabilities as leaders. Uh, you're listening to Yoga Hour and our guest today is Janice Marcherano, author of Finding the Space to lead. She's from the Institute for Mindful Leadership. That's the website.org. We'll be right back. What if you could improve your health one decision at a time? Take that first step and join us each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central and learn from experts in integrative medicine. Awaken to Your Best Health is committed to supporting your personal health through cutting-edge research, education, and practical tips that you can put into place immediately. Make that decision for yourself by saying yes to health. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon central. 1 p.m. Eastern on Affirmative Prayer, activating the power of yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. 
If you have a question, please submit it via email at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and my guest today is Janice Marcherano, and she's the author of a new book, Finding the Space to Lead, a Practical Guide to Mindful Leadership. And just so I don't forget, I want to let you know um, that when you uh, get the book, there are exercises in there and also um, downloadable material on the meditations, and um, it's a guide. It's a guidebook, so you, you can actually go through it and learn these processes um, yourself. Um, how to be more centered and clear and calm. Um, you can do the calendar, uh, meditation on your calendar and um, some things like that. So those resources are available for you and also on her website, uh, information about courses and workshops uh, in person or things that you can do online. And so now in our last segment, we're going to turn our attention to um, realizing our full capabilities as leaders. Um, in a quote from your book from John Quincy Adams, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. And uh, inspiration, of course, is really at the core, at the heart of real leadership. You know, you know, I think we all understand that being a leader isn't simply about telling other people what to do. Do that's being a dictator, (laughs) but but being being a leader is is someone who um, inspires you know by the way that they live, um, by the vision they're able to articulate, and by um, you know what they can help to spark and inspire and support in others. And I I loved the um, distinction that you draw in your book about the difference between um, managing through inspiration versus managing through expectation. Um, So will you talk to us a little bit about that, Janice? Sure. And most organizations, it's very common that there would be a set of objectives set or expectations set, and then the manager would get up in front of the team or the group and say, okay, well, this is what we have to do, and this is, these are the goalposts, and this is how we're going to hit them, and this is where we're going to be in a month and two months, and here's the timeline. And that's managing by expectation. When you manage by inspiration, you are engaging the group in an ideal in something that they can uh, be a part of so that together, collaboratively, the group is moving toward a final objective. So setting objectives is important for a leader to do, to guide the ship. But there's a very big difference between having an inspiration to reach a particular goal and setting expectations that can limit and so the way that expectations can limit is that you're putting guardrails around where the group might potentially go. And in my experience and in the thousands of people that I've worked with who uh, over the years have, have put this into practice, what happens when you lead by expectation is you might hit all the goals and it's very check the box. It's also not particularly motivating, and people don't feel as engaged. So one of the biggest workplace problems today is lack of employee engagement. And one of the surest way to make people feel disengaged is to lead by expectation. Mm-hmm. When you lead by inspiration, people have a piece of it, and there is really no limit on the ways in which they reach a goal If you open the doors for them and say, look, this is where we ultimately have to go, but I'm really interested to know how you think it would be the best ways, the most creative ways, the win-win-win way of reaching that rather Mm. than check the box way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually just going to ask you that question, which you answered, which is, you know, how do we make that shift from, you know, saying, okay, this is where we need to go and this is how we're going to do it. Um, so you're talking about having a culture where everybody gets to participate and bring their creativity um, to the party. Uh, you know, you know this, is, this is the way we think this can happen. 
mm-hmm. this is this is how we this is how we can um, how we can do that, um, and that makes such a difference, doesn't it? <laughs> it? It certainly does, and it's also another way of being very respectful to each other in the workplace. There's a whole other level of respect when people are valued in this way of saying, I'm really interested. What what would you do? What do you think about that? And particularly if you give people um, a little bit of a heads up. You know, we're all going to get together tomorrow at 10 o'clock, and here's the question that we have, and here's what we need to solve, or here's where we need to get to. And I'd really love it if you all come with your ideas. And then as the leader of that meeting, making a point to make sure that there's a system in place that allows everyone to be heard in the Mm. meeting as opposed to meetings getting hijacked by the first person who speaks. Wow, and that seems to relate um, really well to your, the quality of leadership that you've identified as compassion. You know, it does it does for me? You know, this sort of deep respect and compassion about you know what it might feel like to be in that meeting, <laughs> yeah. to be yeah. to be put put upon versus um, being uh, inspired. Um, how do you see um, compassion and and kindness? Uh, developing in in the workplace with mindful leadership? Compassion is uh, first needs to be cultivated in you as an individual. And that's often the most difficult one for the best leaders to get their arms around. That it's not a selfish act to be self-compassionate that the best leaders are called to lead out of a sense of service, of making a difference, of uh, creating something new. And so the natural tendency is to, yes, you might be on the to-do list, but you're at the bottom of the to-do list. Mm -hmm. So in order to really begin to cultivate compassion toward others and compassion toward the community, we need to start by recognizing in ourselves where there are places that we could make a change to something that would simply be an act of kindness to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And beginning that journey is really where compassion in the workplace starts. It starts with the individual, self-compassion. Mm-hmm. The next piece that happens is we actually need to understand how presence is felt. So when I have a conversation with you, and even if I'm looking right at you, Alan, and I'm sitting across a desk from you, and yet my mind is somewhere else, you might see me looking at you and even nodding my head, and yet when you leave that meeting, you will have a sense that I didn't hear a word you said, Mm -hmm. and you will be right, because Mm -hmm. I wasn't present for that conversation that absence of presence is felt, and the opposite is also true. So being fully present is actually part of how you bring compassion into a conversation like that. You redirect your mind when it skips off, when it's pulled away, which all of our minds will do. But now, as you said earlier, you don't have to be a victim to the mind that jumps all over the place. You actually can learn through the training to redirect. And when you do, you form a connection that is felt, and it's a mm. beginning and opening of compassion. Mm. Thank you so much for that um, beautiful uh, description of what it's like to be um, a compassionate presence, really, you know, to be mindful, to be present, to be able to make that connection with others. And, and ultimately, um, <clears throat> that makes uh, life worth living, you know, regardless of the setting that we're in, you know, being present, being awake, aware, um, connecting um, deeply with one another. Janice, thank you so much for uh, joining us this morning and uh, offering this inspiration about mindful leadership. I want to um, remind the leader, uh, the listeners, that the leaders and listeners that you can find out more about Janice's work at her website, Institute for Mindful Find out about uh, workshops, things you can do in person with her or virtually um, online. And also, her book uh, as a training guide is called Finding the Space to Lead a Practical Guide to Mindful 
leadership. And next week, we're going to conclude this uh, series we've been running on leadership um, with my teacher, Roy Eugene Davis, who is a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda and the spiritual director of Center for Spiritual Awareness in Lakemont, Georgia. And we'll be talking about eight success principles for fulfilling all of life's purposes. Um, for information about the meditation mantra and uh, chakra program coming up at CSE, visit csecenter.org. And remember to subscribe to Yoga Hour at iTunes uh, to let other, others know about us. We look forward to being with you next week. Until then, let your inner light shine into the world. And remember to share your peace and your joy and your compassion with all that you meet. Thank you again, Janice. It was really lovely talking with you. Oh, it's my pleasure, Ellen. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you, Jeff. Be back with you next week. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. www.csecenter.org Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org If I were brave I'd walk the races where fools and dreamers dare to and never lose faith. How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if we're all meant to do what we secretly dream? Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you, but God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity 
confidence and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find my God. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. 